You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. It's Thursday, December 1st. And this evening, I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor, Paige Van Horn from Denver. PBH, how you doing tonight, my friend? Oh, my brother, you know, we're, <laughs> as our good friend Sloaner says, we're smiling through the pain and there's yes, a lot indeed. of fucking pain right now. <laughs> yes, indeed. Of course, we are here to relitigate to, to some degree Ohio State's disastrous performance last Saturday in the horseshoe against Michigan. As is well documented by now, the Buckeyes were 45 to 23 losers. It was the first time since 1999 and 2000 that Michigan has won consecutive games in this rivalry, and it was Michigan's first win in the horseshoe in 22 years. Now, the wow. World, wow. 22 years. 22 years. Wow. Yeah. The Wolverines, who now sit at number two in the new CFP rankings, face unranked Purdue in the Big Ten title game this Saturday night in Indianapolis. Michigan is a 16.5 point favorite in that game, by the way. As for Ohio State's playoff fate, it ain't over yet. The Buckeyes only dropped three spots to number five in this week's CFP rankings, and they're poised to move back into the top four if number three TCU and or number four USC stumble in their conference title games this weekend. The Trojans and the Horned Frogs are only slight favorites in those games. USC faces number 11 Utah, who beat the Trojans earlier this season in the Pac-12 title game on Friday night. That's tomorrow night in Las Vegas. TCU squares off with number 10 Kansas State in the Big 12 title game on Saturday afternoon in Arlington, Texas. Now more on those matchups later on. And speaking of the college football playoff, it was just announced last night that the field will officially expand to 12 teams starting in 2024. The old fuddy-duddies at the Rose Bowl were the last remaining roadblock to playoff expansion. (laughs) They finally acquiesced last night. So, PBH, before I let you go today, I do want to get your take on playoff expansion. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, let's turn our attention back to last Saturday's debacle in the horseshoe. Mm. PBH, why did Ohio State lose that game you have the floor sir god um i mean i i i'm still in shock by it me too and i thought as a 50 year old 52 year old male i was beyond this just pity and loathing that i felt (laughs) after Buckeye losses like Jesus Christ like but no it's back and the the only solace I take is the conversation I had with my dad who's 87 he's like I didn't even sleep that night and I'm like oh god we're all doomed like it doesn't go away right it doesn't it's just astonishing it's it's a lifetime of affliction like it it really is um it's and, and and honestly I I I don't remember you know feeling this horribly about a Buckeye loss in quite some time. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so that's, you know, at the 30,000 foot level, uh, why did they lose that game? I think there's, I, there's one very specific sort of micro thing, I think, and one very more macro. Okay. And on the preview pod, I was all about Dallin Hayden. And I just, 
I just had a suspicion, mm-hmm. you know, that that guy was going to have a dramatic impact in the game. He gave us a huge spark against Maryland. Our run game has been tepid at best mm-hmm. uh, for the last five games or so. He was a shot in the arm. And I will go to my deathbed not knowing why that guy did not get more opportunities and only two carries in that game and why Ryan day would make the decision not to play him and go with a guy. Okay, fine. He was a running back at Arizona state that did not have one carry all game long. And I know there's a thousand reasons why we lost that game. Right. But that one to me is the biggest head scratcher. It was a big, Um, it was a head scratcher for sure. Uh, even though they did run the ball pretty well in the early going with Trainum, but no, I'm with you. And they and they wasted eight carries on Mayan Williams, who was clearly not himself. That was also frustrating right. to see him waste the carries on an injured back. But I'm with you, man. Right. I I was stra- scratching my head on that decision as well. Sorry, go ahead. And, and Trainum was fine, but there, uh, who's to say that Hayden doesn't bust one of those? And you know, mm-hmm. instead of having 86 yards, you know, he has 130 yards in the first half and has a touchdown or something. Like, I, you know, against Maryland, it was just night and day. It was dramatic how much of a difference he made. So that's sort of like a, at the micro level. And I think the bigger picture, and this is what I'm much more interested to talk about with you tonight, is the macro level, and. I've kind of said it before, and it keeps coming up. Ryan Day is a stubborn motherfucker, and <laughs> he's he's got he he's not situational. Um, I'm not even quite sure he's a great coach. I'm not even quite sure he's a good coach, but I do know he does not adjust. He 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 does not look at a situation in real time in a, in a game level, you know, situation mm-hmm. and 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 change. It's just like I, it, it is like no, I am right and we're going to do it this way and fuck you all. This is the way it's going to be. And I think that is probably you know, his, his biggest fault and it, it might be, you know, the death knell for him sort of you know, as a, as a, you know, top notch or any level of a collegiate coach. And I also think it permeates down to the players and it specifically permeates down to CJ Stroud because he's a stubborn son of a bitch too. Right. (laughs) It's just like, Hey, we're not going to change what we want to do. This is, we're better than you. And I do think Ohio state's better than Michigan. Mm. I think if they played again, I would be very confident that Ohio State would win that game. That might be completely absurd. But um, <laughs> I I think, you know, those are the two things I keep coming back to over and over of, you know, what went wrong on Saturday, uh, knowing a lot went wrong on Saturday. Yeah. I, I wonder if Day is – he does seem to have lost his feel for the game as a play caller. And whether it's being stubborn – or he's got his head buried in a play sheet and doesn't uh, doesn't have the the feel for the game, the feel for the sidelines, what's happening in the game that coaches who don't call plays are able to, to have. Um, there does I, I'm with you. Some of the game time in game decisions are questionable, and uh, whether it's stubbornness or just having lost a feel for the game, I feel like when he was a play caller for Urban Meyer in 2017 and 2018 
he was much more dangerous, right? I mean, they they were better at in-game adjustments. They were a little bit more creative uh, offensively. I feel like, and I, maybe that's just, you know, a well, revisionist were, history. They totally were. Yeah, because I feel like there might be a solution there, which is to give up the play calling. That might help him have a, a feel for the game. And it might, uh, you know, he might very well have intervened earlier uh, or at all. Uh, when it came to Jim Knowles. And, and actually, that brings me to my primary reason as to why I thought Ohio State lost this game. I'm laying this primarily at the feet of Jim Knowles and his defense. And secondly, penalties and other mental mistakes on both sides of the ball leading to missed opportunities for the Buckeyes. That's the, the second uh, piece or my to, to my view of how Ohio State lost this game. But I mean, for a Michigan offense that was not known for explosive plays, and I think that's putting it mildly, I think that's an understatement, especially one all season until us. Yeah, I mean, especially from its beleaguered passing game. I mean, it was utterly shocking to watch them blitz the Ohio State defense for four different scoring plays of 69 yards or more. Let me put this into perspective. Those were the four longest plays from scrimmage of the season for the Michigan offense. So crazy. Cornelius Johnson's 75-yard and 69-yard touchdown receptions were Michigan's two longest pass plays of the season. And Donovan Edwards' 85- and 75-yard touchdown runs in the fourth quarter were their longest runs from scrimmage of the season for Michigan. And we're talking about a Michigan schedule that included Colorado State, Hawaii, and Connecticut. And yet it was fucking Ohio State that Michigan hit for the four longest plays of the season. I mean, if you had that on your bingo card, PVH, I want you to play the California lotto for me. Because... I, I I just I, who saw that coming? Michigan ran sixty offensive plays for five hundred thirty total yards. Three hundred forty nine of that came on five fucking plays, and thirty five of Michigan's forty five points came on those five plays. On the other fifty five plays, Michigan only gained one hundred eighty one yards. That's three point two nine yards per play. So, the big play. I mean, it it was. Uh, it was it was such it was a shocking surprise that it was a factor in this game for Michigan and that it happened to an Ohio State defense that was in the top 10 of pretty much every statistic that mattered. And there's a quote. I want to share this quote with you. This is from the Michigan co-offensive coordinator, Matt Weiss. This is from an interview that he did yesterday. He says, quote, we had a lot of great stuff ready to go. We were ready for everything. Overtime, a two-point shootout, whatever came up. As it turned out, the big plays made it so we didn't need to use a lot of the stuff we had saved up that was ready. A lot of the big plays we hit were, were base. We're with base, he said. Day one right. training camp stuff. I mean, what a complete face plant by Jim Knowles to yeah. get worked that badly by the Michigan offensive staff, who, by the way, did not have their best offensive player for this game. Wow, so. true, <laughs> true. And so, so this is something that actually Juan said, and I think it was like in the middle of the second quarter, uh, or you know, yeah, maybe it was at halftime. He's like, you know, in some weird way, it, you know, it, not having Corm maybe a blessing in disguise totally. because they're having, having to do some things that they wouldn't normally Absolutely. You know, do otherwise. They I agree just, with that. And, and so, and, and when he said it, I kind of blew it off. And then we, we had to go to dinner that night, which is always, that, that was a lot of fun. That was a great dinner. We had, we had a good time, but having to go out to dinner after that was, yeah, I think I would have rather just lie down on a train track and call it a day. Um, I, I think Juan's on to something though. I think there's though. some truth to that. Yeah, for I sure. some truth to it. I mean, they, their hand was forced. They had to find out what they had in the passing game with McCarthy. Now, 
McCarthy still only completed 50% of his passes, but the ones that he did, and, you know, Jim Knowles helped him out by playing cover zero uh, on two uh, long touchdown pass plays in particular, right? The one, the very first one, I don't know if you remember on the preview pod, I had said that I Michigan would be searching for answers. And what Ohio State cannot allow is yeah. a yeah, repeat of what yeah. happened against Penn State with Parker Washington, where there was a missed tackle on a, on a play that should only have gone for eight or nine yards that went for a long touchdown. That's exactly what happened on their first mm-hmm. touchdown uh, pass. And, and that was largely because um, they blitzed J.J. McCarthy on, you know, in a situation where you didn't need to do it, Michigan had three points on the board. They were coming off back to back three and outs. They had, it was third down and nine. They had run two plays for a grand total of one yard. Why are you sending both your linebackers and both safeties and leaving your yeah, beleaguered corners in one on one? Yeah, they're cocky. They were cocky. They did not respect Michigan's skill players. And, yep. and I understand that's not Braylon Edwards out there, but they're still skill players at the University of Michigan, right? For a top five team, you have to respect their ability, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hubris. No, and it's fucking hubris. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that Jim Knowles did not respect the game. He completely shit the bed. I, I was, you know, I think I said like Michigan ran the defense. We should have played the whole game, right? Like if, you know what, if they can put together, 12 play drives and go down and right. score touchdowns and beat us without their best running back, then they deserve to win. Right. But right? force them like to execute in the red that. zone. Right. I mean, Michigan yeah. came into this game, I think ranked like 60th in the country in converting their red zone opportunities into touchdowns. So the only way I mean, you can't give up the big play, but if you force them to execute and drive the length of the field and have to execute in the red zone and make them kick field goals, you've got a great chance of winning this game. And Ohio State did the opposite of that. They gave them quick and easy points on five different plays. I mean, easy. It was, yeah. I mean, it was just shocking, astonishing to watch. <laughs> astonishing. Like, it was like, like back to Maryland with Greg Schiano. And again, it was oh, totally. It, so that's a, good, so it's a good analogy, actually. I'm like, so God. it's, it's completely at, at the, the feet of the coaches. Um, you know, some of the personnel decisions, like I give you credit, man. Like I don't pay that close attention. Like you called out Cam Martinez like seven games ago. Yeah. What the fuck is he doing What's in that doing game? In that situation. At, at that moment. Like, I mean, seriously, he was in a different zip code when <laughs> that guy was running by. Like, what are you doing? And yeah. and that's coaching. Yeah, okay. And so yeah, you can lay some of it on, you know, the 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 execution of the players the technique but, right yeah his technique was a mess on that play cam martinez yeah, right. i mean and, and, he should have been out there missed opportunity yeah, yeah he should not have been out there and yeah there's missed opportunities in the first half they dominated that freaking first half that game could have easily been you know 14 points 17 points oh at least um and they panicked they totally panicked at halftime it was the biggest choke panic job that i can recall Mm -hmm. um i and i also remember like jtt man like his mojo and juice in the first half was like that dude was feeling it right and you know michigan they could really get nothing going and i just don't understand what they talked about and decided at halftime to completely go with this just 
for broke defense that ultimately killed them. Huge miscalculation. Huge miscalculation they, they by Noah. Did Noles. not respect them. Yeah, and they were cocky motherfuckers, and it, it's it's just unacceptable. I, I I agree. And and to my second point about penalties and mental mistakes, and I'll try to make this quick, but I want to take you back to the third quarter. It's twenty four twenty Michigan. The Buckeye defense has just forced its fifth three and out of the game, which is really weird, right? Because, you know, there was either Michigan was either hitting big plays for long touchdowns or they're going three and out. The Wolverines are forced to punt from their own 15 yard line. The punter shanks it. The ball is fair caught by Emeka Buka at the Michigan 48 yard line. So the Buckeyes are in great shape. They're in plus territory. There's eight minutes to play in the third quarter. Just take a deep breath, Buckeyes, all right? You, you got a chance mm-hmm. here to get points. Now, the first play, C.J. Stroud hits Chip Trainum for 23 yards on a check down. Smart play by Stroud. He didn't force anything deep. He, you know, he went to his check down, got 23 yards, great gain on first down. It's first and 10, Buckeyes from the Michigan 25-yard line. Nope. Holding penalty on Donovan Jackson and a fucking unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on G Scott Jr. for headbutting that dude, you know, 10 yards out of bounds. Instead of first and 10 from the Michigan 25, it's first and 35 from the Ohio State 27. So now the Buckeyes would manage to get 30 of that 35 yards back. They're faced with a fourth and five at the Michigan 43. Ryan Day sends out the punt unit. There's this collective groan around the stadium, right? We're all like, ah, you see CJ Stroud trying to wave off the punt unit. But what we know now, what we didn't know then was they were, they were going to attempt a fake punt. But the Buckeyes are immediately hit with another penalty, a false start on their backup long snapper, Mason Arnold, who, as it would turn out, would be the only Buckeye in the field who didn't know the fake was on. So on the next play, <laughs> Arnold snaps the ball to punter Jesse Murko instead of the up man, Mitch Rossi, who had, had he been given the ball, he had Tommy Eichenberg as a lead blocker through a huge hole on the left side of the offensive line. I don't know if you saw the video that was circulating. I did. That, you did, I did. see that? I did. Even Jim Harbaugh knew Michigan dodged a huge bullet. He said in the postgame, quote, we got so lucky on one of the fourth downs. They had a fake on and they had us. They had us cold, end quote. So so it was the the only person that didn't know was the guy that was snapping the ball. The long snapper. So if you remember on that play. But how does that happen? How does that happen? Right. Like like I could understand. How can you you not be aligned? Guy on the edge. Right. Right. Well, it is worth I mean, noting he's our backup long snapper. Remember a few weeks ago we that's lost. That's fine, but do we not tell him like, hey, right. dude, this is a fake punt? And and so then again, it comes down to who's that goddamn special teams coach? Yeah, and who's the goddamn head coach? Right, I agree. And, I agree. Know, the the penalties that cannot the, happen in this un- situation. They're they're undisciplined. It happens all the fucking time with this team, right? The missed tackles. Twenty and so twenty penalties for 182 yards for Ohio State in their last two games, the last two regular season games. To your point, yeah, dude, dude, that coaching staff and that team is clearly over their skis. They are smelling themselves. They think their shit doesn't stink. I mean, that penalty with Gee Scott, like, I, th- what like, are you doing? If the guy hit him and he retaliated, like, okay, like you, it was just, it was just, he had brought it in for no reason because yeah. you're reading your fucking headlines, Buckeyes. And I, dude, it, it's coming from the top and it stinks and it's, it's a fucking major problem. I, I, I agree with you. So just to complete the sequence, because I, the reason I want to go through the sequence, because I feel like that's what broke Ohio State. 
right? I feel like at that point, their will was broken. And by the way, that's when I shut off the fucking TV and I went for a walk around the Presidio. I'm like, I'm out. Actually, I didn't shut the TV off. I left my poor father-in-law sitting on the couch. I said, sorry, Ken, I can't do this anymore. I got to go for a walk. So Michigan almost blocks the goddamn punt because Jesse Mirko wasn't expecting the ball. And the protection was set up for the fake. So I remember that play. I was like, what the hell? They almost blocked it. So Mirko was lucky to just get the punt off. But unfortunately, it goes into the end zone for a touchback. So not only did the Buckeyes miss the opportunity to get a big gain and possibly a score on the play, they weren't able to take advantage of the field position to pin Michigan deep. Right. So the Michigan yeah. offense starts at its own 20 and it would, they would begin what would be a 15 play 80 yard scoring drive that ate up nearly nine, eight minutes. And of course, the final devastating mental mistake of this sequence that I'm describing was by Ronnie Hickman, a pass interference penalty in the end zone. On, he was against Ronnie Bell. It was a desperation heave by J.J. McCarthy on third and 10. I don't know if you remember that. Mike Hall Jr., like three. He was oh, I, yeah. McCarthy was running for his life and the ball was 15 yeah. yards out of bounds or something like 10. 15 yards out of, ball, out of bounds. The penalty gives Michigan a fresh set of downs at the Ohio State 2. They'd eventually go up 31-20. And that was it, man. The wheels fell yeah, off after so. that. So in my view, that's what lost Ohio State game. this game. It started with Knowles and uh, the way he called his defense and then the mental mistakes and the missed opportunities as a result of those mental mistakes that really cost Ohio State this game. What else you got, PBH? Yeah. Well, and you know, the other, there was some good irony in that game and, you know, CJ Stroud gets a lot of grief for being pretty stoic. Right. And I I remember that when he was like, you really don't see that kind of emotion from that guy on, and that fourth down, like he really wanted to fucking go for it. That's the kind of fire that we've been looking for, for him, you know, for years. And okay. Yeah. So fine. You, you're going to call a fake punt. Um, I get it, but I also, at the time, I didn't know that, and we didn't really know that until a couple days later, but I remember thinking, like, you know, we've been asking this kid for it the entire time, and then he finally gives it to you, and then you fucking don't put the ball in his hands. Right. And I just thought, I at, at the moment, I thought that, you know, and then, when, you know in the punt and I was like ah, that, that's a little ironic in my mind well if you remember and- on the possession before Ohio State had the ball at midfield and it was facing a fourth and short and they decided to punt and it's you know yeah, but but then no, earlier no. in the game he goes for it on fourth and two and the, the play call is for Cade Stover. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Chip Trainum's averaging eight yards a carry. You've got Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka. And instead you go you throw a, a low percentage, you, you call a low percentage pass play for your tight end. And don't get me wrong, Stover's been great this year. But is that the guy you want making that play in that high leverage moment in a game of these stakes? Well, I don't think no. so. No, and, and and that that play is also indicative of the fact that we have not had a running game for the last eight games. Yeah. And why don't we have a running game? It's because you keep trouting out guys that are fucking hurt, right? Yeah. Why it's, are you doing that? Yeah. You know? They mishandled they that for care, sure. Right? Yeah. Like, Trey, Trey was a freshman last year, you know? And and so we, when you're trotting out guys that that are hurt and your running game is inept, then, you know, it's like, well, it's the offensive line. It's like, I don't really think it was the offensive line. I think they were opening up holes. I think Our so too. running backs just couldn't get through them because they're fucking hurt and you refuse to play, play healthy people. And again, it comes down to Ryan day. It's not situational and he's stubborn. And then, then the other thing that starts to happen is teams just play, Michigan played too deep that entire game. Mm-hmm. Right. 
it's hard for those yeah. guys to get open. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? Harrison's next level and Abuka's good. They ain't Garrett Wilson and they ain't Salave. Right. They just aren't. And, um, you know, you started to see a little bit of that against Iowa. You saw it against Penn State. You saw it against, you know, um, Northwestern and Maryland. Yeah. And these guys are adjusting to what Ryan Day wants to do. Mm-hmm. And Day is fucking unwilling to change what he wants to do. And he does not adjust. He didn't have anything up his sleeve. And the other thing I will say that it makes perfect sense to me now is that the reason they kept throwing those, you know, flat or those passes out in the flat the screens because yeah. they can't run the ball yeah you can't fucking run the ball well that's an extension of our run game well how about playing a running back that doesn't have a fucking torn ligament you know <laughs> yeah. you know whatever else trey has yeah. ryan how about that yeah the guy was goddamn mr football in the state of tennessee and if he fumbles the ball twice then he fumbles the ball twice then you live with it it's right. just just, I thought it was a missed opportunity there. If you, the, I, I saw several videos circulating on Twitter because I follow a bunch of like film guys, you know, probably former coaches and who are like film nerds. And there were several circulating of run plays that should have gone for more yardage, but you had a limping, you know, uh, Mayan Williams carrying the ball, and he just couldn't, he couldn't get to the edge. He couldn't, he couldn't hit the hole fast enough. So what should have gone for twenty five yards went for eight yards. You know, Ohio State averaged almost five yards per rush in this game and CJ Stroud was only sacked once. So I, I, this, this was this, this loss to Michigan was not the physical beat town that it was last year in Ann Arbor. No, it was a tragic comedy of failed execution and mental mistakes. And Michigan was just smarter and more disciplined. And actually it was very reminiscent. It was very Cooper-esque of, of the late nineties and early two thousands when Ohio state would go into that game, they played their worst game and Michigan would just sit back and take advantage of the mistakes and they, yeah. they in this game, they did not beat themselves. They took advantage of virtually every one of Ohio State's mistakes, whether it was an execution mistake on the field by a player or a scheme or, or coaching decision that was a mistake. And that's what makes this loss way more painful for me than last year's. I mean, this is a game Ohio State wins probably by a comfortable margin if they hadn't repeatedly kicked themselves in the fucking nuts all afternoon. Yeah. 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 And, you know, in the first half, like – McCarthy was just kind of throwing stuff up, you know, like the prayers were getting answered and yeah. you, you start to get that. Oh God, could this just be their day? And clearly it was, it clearly it was completely <clears throat> shit the bed. Um, and I, you know, in the past, I, I I've never put a whole lot of, I don't know, credence into the fact like, you know, Ohio guys and right. Or, or, or like the game, you know, like it's still football at the end of the day, but I, in this particular case, specifically for Knowles, like I, I just think he completely miscalculated mm-hmm. the magnitude of this game. It was just another game. Um, and I don't know if Ryan Day gets it either. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've I, never been a big believer. And yeah, you're preparing for Michigan 365 days a year. Yeah, you kind of are. But talking about 19-year-old kids. I don't know. Maybe there's something a lot more to it. I mean, maybe. Yeah. It only took us uh, 28 minutes for Cooper's name to come up. But (laughs) I mean, the record for guys that aren't from Ohio in this game is is abysmal. And God damn it, there just might be something to it. Yeah. Well, I think Knowles, you know, so if Ryan Day calls Jim Knowles the head coach of his defense. So if we're using Ryan Day's words. There were two head coaches out there on the field for Ohio State on Saturday. Well, Knowles is up in the booth, but 
two head coaches calling plays for each side of the ball for them. It was Knowles' first Michigan game. And that dude has never coached in a game of these stakes, in a game of this magnitude with 17 million viewers, right? I mean, he he coached at Duke. He was in the Ivy League for a while. Uh, He came from Oklahoma State and no disrespect to Oklahoma State, but I'm sorry, Ohio State, Michigan is not, you know, bedlam, right? It's a much bigger game than that. And for sure, to me, I felt like, yeah, you want to talk about somebody over their skis and somebody who... Uh, you know, just made one miscalculation after another. Uh, Knowles looked like that to me. And that's why I continue to maintain that that's the number one reason Ohio State lost this game. Um, however, yeah. Ryan Day does not escape criticism either, though, right? At the end of the day, Knowles was his hire. And uh, Ryan Day has to be able to see what Knowles is doing. And uh, I mean, come on, look, it was obvious, right? You already got beat on a cover zero play where you sent the house unnecessarily you gave him one cheapie but then you start the 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 damn third quarter and you give him another cheapie on the exact same situation and it was to a a reserve freshman tight end i mean some again these dudes that were beating you jim knowles this was not braylon edwards this was not (laughs) uh desmond howard these are guys johnson the guy who caught the two longest touchdowns in the game the two longest passes (laughs) of the season for Michigan, he came into this game averaging 30 yards receiving a game. His last touchdown was like in October, in early October. So those aren't the guys that are beating you. I mean, the the guys that are beating you are, are, you know, role players for Michigan. And that's what drives me nuts about this. Sorry, go ahead, BBH. Yeah, no, it's true. And, you know, you make good points about Knowles and, and, but but Ryan Day is the goddamn head coach, and the offense True. did nothing in the second half. They didn't. And, you're right. You know, and I, I, I'm sorry. Like if you if you, if you're not a, enough of a good coach to like kind of step in on the defensive side, then I mean Jesus Christ, then you're not a head coach, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, so like you know when we were talking, and you're like, yeah, maybe if he gave up the play calling duties and stuff like that. So I want to pivot to this. Like, okay. Let's just go big picture here. Let's do it. Like, are we sure? Are we even mildly sure he's a good coach? I mean. Yeah. I'm, I, he, if I'm being totally honest with myself, I'm having my doubts about him. I'm not ready to fire him today. I think that would be way too. No, I'm not saying fire him today. But, but if I, I'm being you know, totally honest with myself, absolutely. I'm having doubts about him for sure. How about you? Yeah. So much so, I decided before we got on this podcast, just go down memory lane and look <laughs> at Urban Meyer's record when he became a head coach at Bowling Green. First year, eight and three, then nine and three, Utah, 10 and two, 2004, 12 and 0. Wow. Then he goes to Florida. He goes nine and three, 13 and one, nine and three, 13 and one. Jim Harbaugh, San Diego State. Or, or, or no, not even San Diego State University of San Diego. I didn't even realize that. Like that's, that's right, it was like, University of San Diego. That's like enrollment, like fourteen hundred. It's like a freaking <laughs> Jesuit school for Christ's sake. He goes seven and four, eleven and one, eleven and one, and then at Stanford he goes four and eight, five and seven, eight and five, and twelve and one. The only empirical evidence that we had that Ryan Day was an elite coach was Urban Meyer when he got suspended and he said, he's an elite coach and we all just accepted it as gospel. And the guy was a fucking out of work, 
quarterback coach in San or at San Francisco. Mm-hmm. He never had to build a program. He never had to do anything. And I go back to the quote, and it's the most accurate quote of all time from Jimmy Harbaugh. And he said, hey, man, some guys are born on third base and think they hit a triple. Dude, I think that's Ryan Day. Wow. And I don't know that this gets any better. I, I'm really worried this doesn't get any better. Well, I don't think you're I alone. Said before, this was our year. Yeah. What are you going to do next year? Like, I, I mean, dude, this could, this could, the wheels could come off here a little bit. I, I, I hope you're wrong about that, but I have this pit Me in too. my stomach feeling that you could be right. I mean, if you look at what Ohio State is likely to lose in personnel, right? C.J. Stroud and and some others, but namely C.J. Stroud, you're going to Ann Arbor next year. You're gonna you're gonna get a veteran Michigan team, right? J.J. McCarthy's mm-hmm. gonna be a junior. Uh, Donovan Edwards, a junior. So uh, that's a veteran Michigan team with some talent. And they've also closed the talent gap too. And I think they've also, you know, since 2020 when Harbaugh was, you know, kind of forced to make co- coaching changes and, you know, acquiesced to kind of what the powers that be wanted there, uh, they've gotten much better at player development too. So yeah, Ohio State's going to be, one would think, is going to be a, a an underdog in that game. Um. I'm not ready to so Ryan Day, if we if we look at the big games that Ryan Day has coached in for the most part, right? It's Michigan, it's the Big Ten title game, it's the playoff. And this isn't my thought. I think Bill Landis pointed this out. He's one and two against Michigan. He's two and zero oh in the Big Ten title game. And he's one and two in the playoff. What does that come out to? Is that four and four? Mm-hmm. So he's right. 500 in those the biggest games, right? You're always expected to beat Michigan. Of course, you're expected to win the Big Ten title game. But if you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, both of those Big Ten title games were pretty harrowing. Yeah, dude, they were nail biters. Nail biters. Yeah, and then you know he he blew a game. Quite frankly, blew a game against Clemson in the 2019 semifinal. Ohio State was dominating that game. He turtled up in the second half of that game. He also did not handle uh, emotionally handle the run. That that Clemson went on right. I felt like Ohio State uh, kind of packed up, you know, packed packed it in after Clemson kind of fought back and you know where they were down sixteen nothing in that game. And I didn't think Day handled some of the adversity in that game as well as he could have. And then some of the play calling was suspect. Um, but then he did come back the following year and put it on Clemson, which was great. And then he got blown out in the national championship game. So he's four and four. In Ohio State's biggest games, I guess you could throw the Oregon game at home in there, but I don't know. I mean, you got a what first year quarterback. You lost a bunch of guys from the previous season. I'm more inclined to just kind of chalk that up to, you know, just a young team. But four and four in big games, and the standard is higher than that at Ohio State. Quite frankly, isn't it, PBH? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, you you don't get credit for the 45 wins and you know 30 eight of them against the Toledo's and Bowling Green's and Indiana's of the world. You just don't. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. And um, that's also why you make $9 million a year. And, you know, I, I would, you know, you mentioned the two big 10 title games, they were life and death to like, go back to that Northwestern game again. Mm -hmm. It's just like, dude, start running the ball. And then finally, like after, you know, in third quarter, you start to do what, 
everybody in the world knows that you should be doing and you run away with the game. It's, well, yeah, I, I, you I, set a single game like rushing record. A short man's Napoleon complex. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you could be right. I mean, yeah, we were all begging him to run the football and then they end up setting a single game rushing record, a school record. <laughs> yeah. I, you I, know, I, and I, I just kind of want to go back to this though, that like he never went anywhere and turned a program around. Right? First time head coach. He didn't. As a head coach. Yeah, first time and head coach. He's a first year head coach. And I, you know, man, like it feels like the moment is kind of too big for him. And it was on Saturday. And it's hard to argue uh, against that. They he panicked. Yeah, and he totally panicked. He's yeah. got a plethora of, you know, skill players. Um, you know, maybe I I I don't know. I I I'm just kind of now projecting big picture and being worried about the future and hmm. uh, w where this goes from here, because I, dude, I think he's been exposed quite a bit and he's, he's definitely getting out coached in these games. And, and oh, by the way, worse, he's getting out coached way better talent, exponentially better talent. And oh, by the way, in 2023, guess who's joining the big 10. Luke Fickle at Wisconsin, Matt Rule in Nebraska in 2024. Guess who else is joining? Right? Yeah. Lincoln uh, Riley. Lincoln Riley at USC, Chip Kelly at UCLA. Um, it's going to get tougher and tougher to, to uh, you know, to, to win the Big Ten. And also to, to get away with, quite frankly, what Ryan Day has been able to get away with in a lot of games with some questionable, you know, decision making, play calling, slow to adjust. Um, you know, you can get away with that, as you say, right, against the Rutgers and the Indianas of the world. Yeah. But when you're playing UCLA, USC, a Wisconsin, a re-energized with Wisconsin program with Luke Fickle, re-energized Nebraska program with Matt Rule, you're not going to get away with it as much. So, no. No. so where do they go from here? So here's where I'm stuck. I mean. Um, Fickle was just hired by Wisconsin. Uh, there was a an expose in the athletic that you and I discussed before we jumped on today about the possibility of uh, perhaps um, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Um, Vrabel. Mike Vrabel coming to Ohio State. Right, he's had great success in the NFL. He's an Ohio State guy. He's every he embodies everything that Ohio State fans love and want in a program. Um, but at the same time, you know, is that realistic? And do they need to try and at least work things out for the next year? I think they're at least one year away from making any yeah, kind of a coaching 100%. change. So in the yeah, short they, term, they, they can't do it. They can't yeah. do it right now. You're, you're 11 and one. You still, and we're going to get to this in a little bit. You still have a shot at making the playoff. And who knows? You get into the field. Who knows? But in the short term, what is the answer? What's the solution? Personally, I think he's got to give up calling the plays. And either you you rely on the veteran, Kevin Wilson, who's got a great track record as a, as a play caller, or you bring in some boy genius offensive play caller to replace him. But Ryan Day has got to give up. He cannot have his nose buried in a play sheet in a game like you know, Michigan of those stakes. You have to have a better feel for what's happening on the field, on your sidelines. If he needs to get on the headset and talk to Jim Knowles and say, Jim, no more cover zero. 
drop into <laughs> stop <Right>. it, right? <laughs> but great head coaches, the reason they give up play calling is because they have to have a feel. They have to, you know, and then there's all the whole recruiting and NIL and all that bullshit that you have to address. You have to be able to focus on. I think he's got to give up the plays. That to me is the short-term fix. What do you think? Well, that's what makes it scary is that it's not obvious, right? Like the last two years, it was obvious. Just fix the defense. We'll be fine. Right. Now it's way more muddled, right? Because we thought we fixed the defense. And then for whatever reason, it showed up in the biggest game of the year against Michigan. Um, So I don't know that there's still a systemic problem with the defense, but I don't know. And you might be right. That, That might be it. But that might not be the answer either. You know, what that's what makes this scary, right? Like there, you know, I did not I I I couldn't stomach reading anything or listening to anything <laughs> until about four hours ago. And I, I listened to Mike Valenti uh oh, right God. before we got on. Oh no. And, I mean, I couldn't even listen know, to that. I don't even know how you got through that. I I only got through, you know, it was like a 12 minute clip and I got through like minutes um and you know i i think that guy has a good nose for football Mm -hmm. and um he made he's like there's basically two points here like number one like and i i agree with this michigan no actually i I don't know they could win it all but the second one is they broke a high estate and i think he kind of did and i saw that i I don't know. I don't know what the answers are. Of course, right? he, of course, and, Valenti said the same thing about Ohio State breaking Michigan back in 2018. But, 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 he, sure. I, uh, yeah, and, I see, and Harbaugh yeah. adjusted for it, right? And and then Harbaugh went to like some freaking thing with his brother. Like it's almost like you're coaching against both those guys. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> That's a good uh, point, actually. Name? Right. The you know yeah because uh, because didn't Jim. John Harbaugh lend a defensive yeah, coordinator Jim Harbaugh and then he coach. sent him back <laughs> right yeah, exactly something <laughs> like that I, I guess the, the bigger the bigger point is I don't know what the answer is yeah and I I think it I think it gets really scary from here because I have no faith in this team next year I actually have more faith in them this year if they would somehow backdoor their way into the playoff. I still think they would be the the second odds-on favorite to win the whole thing if mm-hmm. they could just find their way in there. And I'm not advocating that they should. And the way this the, the system is set up now, you you lose that game, um, you know, you, you don't deserve to get in there. But stranger things have happened. They could backdoor their way in there. I would take my chances against Michigan, and I think you know they would match up best with Georgia. But bigger picture, where they go from here, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, it's. I, I think no Day idea. is done enough. I think he's earned the right to at least one more year to try and fix fix what's happened here. All right, let me ask you a question. Sure. Let's just take all the take the fifty six million dollars out. Let's assume for a minute that Mike Rabel wants the job. Mm-hmm. Would you do it? Would you pull the trigger right now? The way I'm feeling right now in this moment? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. I mean, um, you know, th- there's a compelling case, and I've seen several writers doing it, namely the fellow whose name escapes me that wrote that expose for the for the um, the Athletic, that why wait and watch Ohio State lose another, you know, two or three times to Michigan if you – you you got the guy, and he's willing. 
then you know you got the resources. You got the financial resources, then just do it. Yeah. In this moment right now, the way I'm feeling right now, now talk to me next week. It might feel differently, but in this moment, how about you? How are you feeling? What, what oh, yeah. You do? Every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Yeah. 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 I just, I, I and again, I, I, I come down to this whole thing. Like, I just remember like, Urban Meyer being like, he's elite, he's elite, he's elite. Just because Urban Meyer thought, and by the way, he wasn't really necessarily the best, you know, evaluator of coaches on his staff. He had turds all up and down (laughs) his staff. So we're just taking Urban's word that Ryan Day was an elite leader and coach, and he never had to prove it anywhere. And Mm. I think, man, you know, if this, if the wheels do truly come off, you know, you'll look back at that decision and you're like, God damn it. Like, wait, wait, why didn't we question that a little bit more? Like, why didn't we make Kevin Wilson the head coach when Urban got suspended for the first four games of what, the 2018 season? Yeah, it was three. It was a little bit head scratching at that point. Yeah. You know? Well, he had two former head coaches on his staff at the time and they yeah, decided to, to make Ryan Tate. Right. Yeah. 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 So they had I, he had Shiano and I, I, and Wilson, and we both thought. I remember when the suspension happened, like, oh, it's going to be Shiano or Wilson. One of them will step in as interim yeah, head coach, and it was, that was Ryan shocking. Day. Yeah, shocking. Um, and you know, he, I, I don't know. I have not been this nervous about the long term future in quite some time. Like I mean, this is feels like an inflection point, doesn't it? Big time. Uh, yeah. All right, PBH. Well, listen, I I do want to have a look at the playoff. I want to have a look at the two conference championship games that are obviously going to have the biggest, you know, impact on Ohio State's playoff hopes. Before we go there, anything else you want to share about about the Michigan? Beat that horse. (laughs) Okay. All right. So let's have a quick look at the two conference championship games that I mentioned at the top. They're going to have major implications for Ohio State playoff hopes. Uh, let's start with number 11 Utah versus number four USC in the Pac-12 title game this Friday night in Las Vegas. The game is an 8 p.m. kick on Fox. The line is only USC two and a half. The over-under is 67 and a half. Now, Utah handed SC its only loss of the season back on October 15th in Salt Lake City. That was a 43 to 42 win for the Utes. The difference in the game was a two-point conversion with 48 seconds to play. Mm-hmm. USC squandered a couple of double-digit double leads in that game, by the way. Both teams combined for over 1,100 yards of total offense. Now, USC, we know how explosive they are on offense. They're fifth nationally in total offense. They're third in offensive yards per play. They have quarterback Caleb Williams, who's probably the best player in the country, Probably going to win the Heisman. They have wide receiver Jordan Addison, last year's Bolitnikoff winner. But SC also has a putrid defense, ranked 91st nationally in total defense. They're giving up over 400 yards per game. They're 114th in defensive yards per play, allowing over six yards per play. So who do we like in this game, PVH? You know, I mean, it's hard not to root for... Utah. Oh well, you should be like, rooting for Utah. That's that's undisputed. That's I, I know, but like I'm trying to be objective about it, right? <laughs> right. Like, you know, like, and I again, in full disclosure, I haven't seen one play from either of those teams all year long. And as you <laughs> described, all, all I knew is that Utah did beat UC or USC, and if they beat them on a two point conversion, I just 
I don't see it. Like I'm actually kind of surprised it's only two and a half or three and a half mm -hmm. um, based on what you just said. Well, I think, um, I think that USC defense is the equalizer. Is the, Cam, Cam, terrible, Cam Rising, dude, in that first matchup, Cam Rising threw for over 400 yards a game. Now we face Cam Rising in the Rose Bowl. He's a tough dude, tough runner, has some, de some decent arm talent, but I don't think he threw a pass over 15 yards in that game. And yeah. I mean, he threw to his tight ends the whole goddamn time. I don't remember a single Utah receiver catching a pass in that game and rising through for over 400 yards against that USC defense. I think that's why that line is, is where it is. Sorry, go ahead. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. At yeah. the end of the day, though, I think UCL or USC probably wins it. They probably win it running away. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, I, well, it's hard to to beat a good team twice, as they always say, that yeah, old adage, Lincoln right? Yeah, Riley's a good coach, too. Good coach. Although, is it Willingham still at Utah? Willingham, or? yeah. He's still at Kai. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a good coach, too. He's so, a good coach, too. They, dude, they've got a puncher's chance. Don't get me wrong. they got a puncher's well, chance. Well, Vegas thinks so, think, yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Vegas does. I'm just putting on my contrarian woe is me fucking Buckeye sadness and it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, totally. I mean, it's hard to beat a good team twice. There's a, that old adage. And look, Utah won that last game, but they barely did. I mean, by the skin barely. of their teeth, right? I mean, and, UT, and, and USC had two double-digit leads in that game. They were up by two touchdowns twice in that game. So, I, look, I think it's a great game that probably comes down to the last possession. But, man, it's hard to bet against Caleb Williams. I don't know if you watched any of Caleb Williams. That dude's a magician. I he's, haven't. I haven't seen one. Oh, play. my God, dude. He's, he's, he's the best athlete at quarterback in the country, even more so than mm -hmm. Bryce Young. And uh, you, you want to talk about a guy that you just hold your breath every time he drops back to throw. He can, he can keep plays alive forever. Um, and, just like CJ can. Yeah. <laughs> so look, I like you, like every Buckeye fan out there, I'm going to be pulling for Utah big time. And if they win, I think it's all but a guarantee Ohio State is in the playoff. But I think sadly, USC wins by it by just a hair. So I'm with you. I think USC wins. I don't think they blow them out. I think they win by a hair. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the other. Let, are, are you? I uh, dude. I I don't think I could watch it. I, I just, it's tomorrow night, Friday night. I know. What do you got going on I, tomorrow I night? You taking Suzanne? Nothing. Yeah. I mean, zero. Course, but you're going to fucking like, watch the game. I, we all know you're going to watch the game. No, Who I will dude. <laughs> I, dude, I'm, my, my psyche is fragile. I'm, I'm a broken man. I'm going to cancel Christmas. I told the boys we're not even getting a Christmas tree this year. Season, December's over. Football's dead to me. <laughs> Well, no, and that's the thing, right? Because I'm like you, I don't want to invest, right? I've already been disappointed. Right. Yeah, I can't, I've already I been can't majorly disappointed, it. and I can't be disappointed again. But of course, of course, I'm going to do it. I can't help it. Yeah. So the other conference championship game of major interest to you and I and all Buckeye fans everywhere is number ten Kansas State versus number three TCU in the Big Twelve title game in Arlington, Texas. That game is a noon Eastern kick on ABC. Now that line is also. TCU minus two and a half. The over-under is 61 and a half. These two teams met back on October 22nd in Fort Worth. Kansas State jumped out to a 28 to 10 lead, but TCU came roaring back to win it 38-28. TCU quarterback Max Duggan threw three touchdown passes in that game. Duggan has been great for TCU all season, but the Horn Frogs, PBH, They've had a lot of narrow escapes this season. Five wins this season by only one score, including a one-point win over Baylor two weeks ago. I know we were all talking about that. TCU kicked a go-ahead field goal as time yeah. expired in that game. 
Watch that live. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so did I. So, you know, should Kansas State prevail in this game? I'm not sure it's a guarantee the committee puts Ohio State in over TCU because the Horned Frogs do already have a win over Kansas State, a double-digit win, and they would have one more win than Ohio State. So I don't know that it's the guarantee to get Ohio State in that USC losing would be. I mean, I think it would definitely be a discussion. Now, look, if it's just a matter of the committee believing Ohio State is the better team and needing some justification to choose them over Kansas State, well, then maybe they they put Ohio State in. But I think there's a bit of an argument there. It's not clear cut. So, PVH, how do you see this game, Kansas State against TCU on Saturday? Yeah, this game, I I, I could totally see Kansas State winning. Yeah. Um, and by the way, their quarterback is uh, Martinez from Nebraska. Oh, that's right. Um, and State, that I forgot guy, about that. That guy can, you know what? It, it's funny because one of my good buddies here is Case Jamie Brown and huge K-State fan, you know, grinds on every game and i was i actually watched half of a, a game with him this year and i was like holy shit i had no idea that martinez was your quarterback that's right and i, I said dude he's dynamic he's mm-hmm. great he will fucking break your heart in the end and that's exactly what he did he threw like a terrible interception <laughs> get what game it was this was like a month ago but that being said he can keep you in any game yeah and so if there's one game that i think right that could fall our way. This is the game. And I, I think TCU is this year, Cincinnati, like, right. I'm sorry, man. Like you're not beating Georgia. You're not beating probably even Michigan. You're not even beating USC. Right. And I don't know that anybody really wants them in there. Mm-hmm. If they, you know, even if they lose the game, I guess maybe you're deserving, but then I always go back to it's there never the most deserving million reasons why you want a high estate in that playoff than you totally. do TCU. Yeah. Do I just really don't want to see, do you really want to see TCU lose 45 to three to Georgia? Or do you think a high estate could give them a game? Yeah. I think, you know, I, I feel like the committee often goes with who they think is the better team. I could be wrong. Oh, the last year, you know, Cincinnati, they put Cincinnati in and, you know, predictably they did not belong on the same field with Alabama. But yeah, I'm with you, man. Again, back to that old adage, it's hard to beat a good team twice. I think Kansas State finds a way to win this one. And I think it cracks the door for the Buckeyes to get in. Now, it's not the slam dunk case for Ohio State, as I said, that it would be if USC were to lose to Utah, because in that instance, right, USC would have two losses and they'd be a non-champ. I'm sorry. Uh, some people were discussing, well, you know, why should USC be punished for playing an extra game? I'm like, shut the fuck up. I mean, they've been playing conference championship games for decades now. USC needs this game to complete its playoff resume. And I'm sorry, they would be in a a two loss non-champ. They're not getting in over Ohio State. So, but that's not this situation. It's a little, there's more nuance to it than that. So I do think Kansas State wins. And of course, we'll be white knuckling it until that playoff field is announced, until we see that that name appear in the fourth slot, you know, of the bracket, I have a feeling right. we'll be white knuckling it. That's my prediction. Um, yeah, I, 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 I <laughs> right. It can't be more... easy. Can never be easy. No. Um, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> All right. Before I let you go, PBH, I do want to get your take on the CFP field expanding to twelve teams starting in twenty twenty four. Wait, so you're just glossing over the fact that you don't think there's 
any chance that Georgia or Michigan loses? Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. I mean, Michigan is coming, dude. This is the quintessential fucking letdown game. Yeah. I mean, and I know nothing about Purdue, but I I mean, in the past they had prolific offenses and I don't think it matters if either, if they can lose they're they're both still in, we can be clear. Yeah, for sure. I mean, playoff. Yeah. Michigan and Georgia, their playoff fates are secured i think at this stage i mean but it could just be entertaining Um, i mean there's nothing wrong with that right entertainment for entertainment sake i mean i've said it a few times on the text like i i want to see all four lose like how (laughs) great would that be just because it would make it more like it would really make an interesting selection sunday absolutely and a and a really you know fun playoff georgia has not georgia has looked like world beaters twice but for the most part you know they've been pretty um you know average for a lot of their games then the other thing is what are the odds you can win the sec and make the playoff and you don't even have to play or beat alabama to do it i know boy man path of least resistance for them yeah and alabama lost on two you know last second plays right Yeah, I think we probably want to be Michigan fans this week. I know it's hard for us, but should you know Ohio State get an yeah, opportunity no, to get him? We want Michigan true. to look dominant, and we want the playoff committee thinking, "Hey, Ohio State's only stumble no, was a legitimately good Michigan team." Um, but but you know it would be entertaining. I would not be surprised if Purdue gives him a good game. I, we also learned today, by the way, that Blake Quorum is done for the season. He's having surgery on his knee, so they will not they will be without for uh, Blake Quorum for the the remainder of their postseason run, however long that goes. I, that's a big loss. You know, you see team. Well, you see this a lot, right? You see a team rise to the occasion when they lose mm-hmm. a great player, but over over a, a longer period, you know, as we know from having lost Jackson Smith and Jigba. Right, it starts to catch up to you. Uh, that's one thing we did mention, by the way, in the Michigan game. No Jackson Smith and Jigba, no Trevion Henderson, and basically no Mayan Williams. Three pretty big losses. Yeah. I don't want to make excuses for Ryan Day. I'm not making excuses, but I will give him just a little bit of a consideration there. Three huge losses. Yeah, injuries killed us. They, injuries were a big I, and factor. Dude, I, again, losing Evan Pryor to start of the season that too m- might turn up. Oh my know, god! I mean, oh yeah. So. All right. So look. I think we've got that covered. Uh, we will be watching with great interest this weekend. I mean, at least we have that. It's not Ohio State. We're not in control of our own destiny, as they say, but we will be watching uh, with great interest. And we love college football, right? So sometimes uh-huh. this is fun. Sometimes sitting back and watching the chaos is fun. Let's hope that it happens. That is almost as entertaining as watching Ohio State win big games. It, it can be a lot of fun. So fingers crossed we, we get a little chaos this weekend. All right, so... Back to the college football playoff field expanding to 12 teams in 2024. I want to get your take on that. Paige, how do you feel about the expansion to 12 teams? It's a good thing, right? Yeah. It is, but we're living it right now, right? Because this Ohio State loss would not feel so bad in 2024 because we'd still be in. Um, And that's the way I, that's the prism that I look through it through. Totally Um, agree. It is, it, it will be in the playoff every year. Absolutely. Yeah. Every year. Yeah. And, and so, in most years with three you know, losses, probably you could probably, Ohio State yeah, could probably qualify totally. in most seasons with three losses. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I dude, I think it's a net positive. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people hate change, right? You know, yeah, especially tradi- in college football. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, did, people just in general, man, they're creatures of habit. I'm one of them. Jesus Christ. People right. hate change. I think it'll be a great thing for the sport in general. It'll create a ton of interest, mm-hmm. um, you know, but instead of being despondent for this last five days, we would still have life in 2024, which is a good thing. Or, Absolutely. You know, in the years that we win that game, right? It's fine. You know, Michigan's going to have life too. Yeah. It, it's going to be great. College football is the best. The, the more... You know, you can have high stakes, you know, football games, uh, the better. I'm all for it. Just please, 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 please stop fucking putting us on at noon. Yeah. Just stop. <laughs> that just and stop. get rid of divisions. Like if we play a playoff game at noon, I swear to God, I'm going to kill somebody <laughs> at Fox News. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you personally. I love it. And I've always felt that expecting regular season perfection out of 18 to 21-year-old kids in order to compete for a national championship made no sense at all. I mean, if in the NFL you can qualify for the postseason with six or seven losses, I mean, how in the hell are you expecting perfection out of you know yeah. 18 to 21-year-old kids? And, and to your point, PBH, some of my biggest scars as a sports fan are from the shock and disappointment of great Ohio State teams having their national title hopes derailed by a single regular season loss. For example... Right now, what we're experiencing. But I mean, we can go back to 1995, 96, 98, even 2005. That 2005 team lost twice to eventual national champion Texas in a game that could have gone either way early in the season. And then a few weeks later to a really, really good top five Penn State team. But by the end of that season, 2005, that Ohio State team could have beaten either Texas or USC. I'm convinced of it. Right, 2015, another season, right? That team dicked around the defending national champs. They lose this weird game in the shoe and the wind and the rain. But I mean, come on, was there any doubt who the best, most talented team in college football was that year? And sitting there watching those playoffs. So, yeah, to your point, man, like, I'm happy to not have to go through that again. Like, and I, I even think Urban Meyer's last two teams in 2017 and 2018, that they were far from his best teams he's ever coached. They could have even made some noise in the playoffs. So in this new format, that's no longer going to happen for Ohio State. As I said, I think they could make the field with two, probably even three losses most years if it comes to that. And the other benefit, of the expanded field is I think it's going to create more interesting non-conference games during the regular season because most programs won't be as hesitant to schedule tough non-conference opponents knowing that losing those games won't necessarily end their title hopes in fucking mid-December or mid-September. And look, I mean, let's face it. There are a lot of unwatchable football games the first three weeks of the college football season a lot of crap on those first three years the three first three weeks right this year especially was was terrible terrible and and you know the other thing that it solves it's this archaic byproduct of college football the way the system is set up right now that when you lose matters dramatically right right if we started the season every year against michigan and then you have 10 games to recover it's a different dynamic you know and so so when you lose, like USC, right? Like they actually have the same amount of losses as we do. Right. Now they get to play in their championship game and they, you know, they they don't also have the stupidity of their division stacked on one side versus the other like we do. But, yeah. but you know, you can, you can potentially lose a little late or very late and not, not have it doom your season, which is so frustrating about college. I agree. I, I, I'm happy to lose that aspect of college football. Seriously. Oh, God. Totally. And the other thing about this year, too. So you've got USC in the field and you've got TCU in the field. Neither of those teams has had to face two top 10 teams to get to where they are. 
Ohio State did. They had to go on the road and beat one of them. And then they lost to, for all we know, the eventual national champion in the other. So uh, that drives me nuts, too, because a lot of people are saying, well, you know, Ohio State had its chance and they they don't deserve to get in. I'm like, uh-uh, our path to the to a conference title game was way more difficult than TCU. Don't give me that shit. Yeah. Yeah, so for sure. The other thing I'm not buying is that the expanded field will diminish the importance of the Ohio State-Michigan game. I don't buy that. People who say that, I don't think, understand how important the bragging rights are in that rivalry. And and I would love, if we were in a 12-game format right now, I would love another shot at Michigan. We may end up getting it anyway, but I would love another shot at that Michigan team. After what we just dissected and all the missed opportunities, and man, if Ohio State got a redo on that one, I'd love to see it. Uh, dude, I agree wholeheartedly. I think Vegas would even agree with us. I think we'd still be on a neutral field. A pick them or a, something? Yeah. Slight yeah, favorite, I, yeah, I think we're still a two-point favorite. Yeah. You know? uh, whatever. That's just you know hyperbole in Vegas. But no, totally. No, yeah, I think like, that's accurate. I don't think it's hyperbole at all. I think that's actually pretty spot on. All right, buddy. Well, listen. Bitches. Sons of bitches. Uh, hey, we still have a little all hope. Right, so this is the deal. So I'm... I, I, I will be keeping tabs on it. I'm so emotionally fragile. I'm going to need texts from you to tell me, like, do we have a chance tomorrow night? <laughs> okay. And I need real-time updates, maybe to, you know. <laughs> All and, right, and, man. And then I'm going to – and then if we win, oh, my God, then I think I got to see if there's any good DJs out in Denver tomorrow night. Go out and party and like, drown right. my sorrows. I've just been moping around all week. <laughs> all right. I am happy to provide that service for you, my friend. I'll keep you abreast of what's going on in that game. And, hey, you know, right, let's just brother. have fun. Let's enjoy it, right? Man, no, it's, it's, totally. this, is, this is entertainment no, at the end of the day. All right, oh buddy. God, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks so much right, for bro. making the time. Great talking to you. We will reconvene at some point in the next week. All right, my friend? All right, bro. All right, buddy. Go Bucks. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.